0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. It's time for the Chicago Blackhawks post-game show. On the Blackhawks Radio Network, here's Joe Brand. Well, the
1: playoff-hungry Philadelphia Flyers come into Chicago and take a bite out of the Blackhawks. A 3-1 winner over the Hawks tonight at the United Center as the Flyers and their two-game losing skid. And the Hawks, unfortunately, drop to 15-39-3. With the loss, the lone goal being scored by Colin Blackwell. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks post-game show. We're taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight here on 720 WGN. As the Hawks kick off another five-game homestand, but they start things off with a two-goal loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's head on upstairs and bring in our pal Troy Murray. He was on the call with John Wideman tonight. And Troy, one of the first things you mentioned to John at the end of the game was that Philly really just locked things down after a 3-1 lead. It's, it's very difficult for this Blackhawks team to to come back in a lot of these games, but especially when the opposing team is able to turn things up in the third period because that's often when we've seen the Hawks kind of take advantage of a team maybe slipping back a few steps was not the case tonight.
0: Now Philadelphia did an excellent job. Only three shots on goal, but you could see that you know their their mentality completely changed in the third period. They weren't going to get caught in odd man rushes, which they did in the first period, way too many. And I'm sure that John Tortorella was, uh, you know, making sure reinforcing his guys. Uh, to make sure that you have some structure in the neutral zone and you're not giving up the opportunities that they gave up in the first period off the rush. And they really shut it down. They did an excellent job. And, you know, you can see why this team is just battling hard. Ten games over, 500 after the win here tonight. And it's not an overly talented team. They don't do anything special. They just work hard. And I think that, uh, you know... If they make the playoffs, they're going to be a hard out because they're they're just going to compete. Do they have the, the, the firepower to raise it to another level once you get into the postseason? I don't know. But these are the type of games where it's a learning lesson for Philadelphia on how to win games, how to shut things down, lock it down. And they didn't allow the Blackhawks a whole lot in that third period. And so frustrating for the Hawks, not getting those opportunities, not getting the chances, but give Philadelphia credit the way that they shut her down and locked her up.
1: I know Arvid Sutterbloom didn't play a perfect game, but it's now back-to-back outings where he's had a, a rough start. I mean, you can't blame him on the first goal. So I think you do have to give him a little bit of credit for being able to fight past that. Um, but as you mentioned, Troy, I mean, what kind of mind games can a play a goaltender when you're not getting much goal support? Like you said, he's he's got to have the mentality of playing a perfect game I'm sure that that could be frustrating for a a goaltender that's already struggling a little bit
0: yeah and that's you know that's the thing Mrazik is 32 years of age Soderbloom only 24 and and trying to find his way into the NHL you know Mrazic can deal with those pressures deal with those a little bit more because he's you know he's been in this situation for a lot longer than Soderbloom is and for Soderbloom I, you know, I didn't think he played a bad game. I, he still left some rebounds out there, and he's got to make sure that, you know, he, he handles those. The one goal that Hathaway scored, he didn't. He didn't play the puck well. He kind of missed it, and it, it fell off to the side, and Hathaway was there to, to jam it in. You know, those are the type of plays that he's got to absorb. Those are the type of plays that we're seeing Morazic absorb uh, on a regular basis, and for a goaltender. And and it's the it's a tough position. You know, if you make a for if you make a mistake as a forward you've still got the line of defense there. Then you've got your goaltender to maybe bail you out. But if you're the goaltender and you're not playing a perfect game when you're not getting any offensive support, that is tough yeah, you know, that's a tough mindset and for Sonderbloom, you know, he's just hoping for something good to happen here and he's not getting the goal support. They know that this team has been struggling and, and offensively challenged in a lot of ways, so you gotta be almost perfect the way that you play and if you get up a, a, you give up an early goal like that it, it 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 messes with your psyche the Blackhawks responded though quickly thereafter and, and I thought he did a decent job you know you look at the third period only three shots on goal but they, they did not need to try and create any more opportunities so you'd like to see him you know just control his rebounds a little bit better just to, you know just feel and look a little bit more comfortable in there he he made some big mistakes playing the puck there and and that's tough now the next time the puck comes around there you don't know what you're gonna do there's a little bit of hesitation you don't have that confidence playing the puck so those are little things that that factor into the big picture for a guy like Soderbloom who's trying to gain that confidence. One guy that was trying to give him
1: some goal support is Connor Bedard. John was talking about how well the Philadelphia Flyers were blocking shots tonight. Out of their 21 blocked shots, Troy Connor Bedard had six attempts blocked tonight. Uh, we were talking about his game and the elevation uh, with his chemistry with Philip Kurishev. But it, do, do you feel like you're you're seeing more aggression from him offensively, just shooting the puck even a little bit more?
0: I, I think he's figuring out the game, and he's a smart guy, and uh, he's going to figure this out on the fly and. And, you know, he knows when the team needs him to shoot a little bit more. He tried to force a, a few through there, but give Philadelphia credit. They they allowed some play on the outside, but they didn't allow anything on the inside. They didn't have quality opportunities. You, you know, sometimes you look at... Uh, opportunities in the slot area where golden opportunities you might miss the met you might score might the goaltender might make a save we didn't see a whole lot of that because there was a lot of crowding in the middle of the ice there they protected the house extremely well in there so Connor bedard trying to get the shots through there but there wasn't a lot of room and if it got past the first person there's another line of defense there so i i thought philadelphia the way that they defended was really impressive and Connor Conor Bedard, again, he was, you know, by far, I would say, the most dangerous player that the Blackhawks have. Tyler Johnson had five shots on goal, but Connor Bedard with three and 11-shot attempts totally. Um, you know, every time he gets the puck, he's a threat. He's just getting more and more confident as he moves forward.
1: All right, last one I got for you, pal. Is, is John Tortorella and his coaching staff the only coaching staff in the NHL that doesn't wear suits on the bench. I noticed they're all they're all rocking the quarter zip. I almost thought it was a rule, but quick Google search says there really is no dress code in the NHL for the coaching staff, but I don't know. I, I just noticed that tonight. It kind of perked my mind.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. It, Torts has done it for a long time now. Um, that's just kind of his standard attire behind the bench, and I don't know. I guess maybe you look at the coaching staff and you say, okay, we're all going to be the same. A casual approach behind the bench, I don't know. I think maybe... John, maybe if you remember this, there was uh, talk about he was cold one time wearing a jacket, and he wanted to put something a little bit warmer on there. So the, the three quarter zippers, they're the quarter zip is one that he always kind of puts on. I remember if if I may, Joe. I remember John Tortorella coaching Columbus and talking about how cold the building was, and uh, just in a, in a in a press scrum, and I think it was either that night or maybe the next game. Um, uh, that I remember seeing him in a, uh, like a sweat, uh, not a sweatshirt, but like a sweat top, something or, or, or a zip up like you were talking about, Joe, along with, uh, you know, a shirt and a tie underneath and then a jacket. And then I remember seeing him after that sometimes. And just in that, that shirt that Joe was talking about with the half zip, uh, that's what he wears all the time. now. Yeah. And he wears it all the time now. He's, so it's he's... a good look. He's rock- yeah, I was going to say, he's rocking the John Weidman look.
1: That's, oh, come that's, on. That's your uniform. The shirt and tie underneath the quarter zip. Not tonight. I'm just going straight shirt and tie, buddy. It's no, no, the best I, it gets. I, I guess I need to pay more attention in the booth. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, Joe, you look good tonight, too. Very dapper. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you for lying all to right. everyone on the air right now, John. All right, bud. Take care. Thank you. That is John Weidman. Uh, all right, pal. Um, rough loss, but kick off to another homestand here at the United Center. Uh, hopefully some progression forward for this team. But, um, you know, another tough opponent, the Winnipeg Jets, coming to town on Friday.
0: Um, real quickly, I'm just going to, I, I did a quick little, what do you call that, Google?
1: Yeah, yeah. Google, Google search.
0: search. Yeah, one of those things on on my phone here. You, you have the ability to do that. <laughs> He has, and this is this is going back a little while. But he says uh, he was battling flu-like symptoms for a while now, and wanted to feel a lot more comfortable behind the bench and warm. Um, So that was the reason that he started it. Maybe he just uh, kept with it. I don't know. Huh.
1: Wow. Okay. The more you know. I I know. I know. Basketball kind of adopted it during COVID, when I mean everything just became a little bit more about comfort level, and you know they were wearing almost jumpsuits. Um, but it, it is still a little surprising to see in hockey, and I, I don't know. It almost looks like he's not even wearing the shirt and tie underneath because he's got the quarter zip zipped up all the way. But it doesn't look like there's a rule that you have to.
0: No, there is no rule, and I, I think there there is a rule in football, right? Uh, what attire you can wear on the on the sideline?
1: Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Tell that to Bill Belichick. I mean, he's always wearing the cut off sleeve <laughs> yeah. hoodies. And... Yeah, that's true. Um, But but there is a rule in baseball that you're supposed to wear an entire uniform. And uh, actually, a funny story, Terry Francona, longtime manager of the Red Sox and the Cleveland team, um, he he kept getting hounded by officials saying that he wasn't wearing the the jersey, and they called him behind the dugout mid-game. And he's like, "What? What's going on?" They're like, "Can you lift up your quarter zip?" <laughs> and he's like, "That's what you called me down here for." And he stormed right <laughs> out of there because <laughs> apparently it's supposed to be a rule—you you, got to wear it—but hardly any of the managers do. So that's why I was curious. I was wondering if Tortorella was kind of doing the same thing, just uh, you know, wor- working around the lines. But but it makes sense, you know. Be comfortable. Be warm. Be you. And
0: it, yeah, he, he's earned the right to uh, yeah whatever he wants behind the bench. He's a veteran coach. Coach Luke for one year, back in his day with Columbus. Yeah. Actually, Luke had a lot of uh, you know flattering, positive comments about uh, Tortorella as a player when he was um, under Tortorella. I, I have a lot of respect for him. I like the way that uh, he approaches the game, and he's kind of a no nonsense guy. And sometimes he he gets a little short with the media, uh, but at the same time, uh, I think that he when you talk to players the players like playing for him yeah. um and he, he's he's a straight shooter he tells it like it is and if you're a player that doesn't like that then uh you know it's probably not the the right place to be and there's been players that have certainly gone against him or or kind of fought him uh, as far as um you know not liking him but at the same time i think he's an excellent coach and uh, I, i've talked to some assistant coaches that i've known over the years that have been under him, and, and they love him, so I take those words for him, uh, take those words verbatim that, uh, you know, they love the guy, and they love playing for him, and he's great to his coaching staff, the trainers and everything, and um, got to respect a guy like that.
1: Yeah, it seems like he defends his team and his players no yeah, matter what. Yeah, he why. does. And he I does. Think he, he, he
0: will be critical uh, uh, against his own team, but at the same time, he will defend them. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Huh, cool, all
1: right, pal. Great stuff as always. Uh, we'll Friday night, Friday night. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, date night. Friday night, you and me, John. <laughs> all right, at the United Center. I'll, I'll wear my
1: finest quarter zip.
0: <laughs> 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 okay, we're all wearing quarter zips on Friday night.
1: All right, all right. I like it. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, and then when you show up in the quarter zip and John and I are in suits, you're going to feel
1: yeah. I'm going to feel bamboozled. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, we're all wearing the same thing. <laughs>
1: I swear, if I walk in and you guys aren't wearing... <laughs> all I right, you pal. said it
0: was a costume party. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, pal. Have a good one. All
0: right. We'll see you.
1: That is Troy Murray. He and John Weidman on the call tonight as the Hawks fall to the Philadelphia Flyers. 3-1 to here at the United Center. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or if you'd like to text. Um, not a great game, obviously, but um, again... I'm I know we're going to lean on a lot of Bedard talk uh, for a handful of these games, but I, I do feel like you're still starting to see a lot of chemistry brewing between him and Philip Kuryshev. And I, I am almost more impressed with how much Philip Kuryshev's game is elevated because he, as Troy Murray stated earlier in the broadcast, he's starting to think like Bedard. Um, he, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of skill. Not quite to Bedard's level, but he's starting to think like him, and he's starting to be aware when uh, he's got the puck. And it, you're just you're seeing these passes. You're seeing this connection between those two, and it, it really is fun to see, um, especially Connor Bedard, because then you can uh, kind of see how much his game can be utilized too when he's playing with someone that's almost always on the same page as him. Again. Taking a look at the numbers, I mean Bedard had 11 shot attempts tonight. Only three shots on goal. Six were blocked. He missed two. Uh, I think it's a couple of things. I think that's his aggressive mindset offensively. But then it's also how Philly was defending him. I mean the Flyers were kind of all over him. As Troy mentioned, they were kind of clogging up uh, the lanes and uh, just just kind of swarming him. So it, it was difficult for him to really get some quality shots off. But still, any time he has the puck, it's almost bound to lead to a a quality opportunity. And Unfortunately, just couldn't find the back of the net. Colin Blackwell with the only goal tonight. That was a very impressive and fun goal. Uh, It's great to see the type of year that Colin Blackwell has had. But uh, not enough tonight, as Philly picked up two more goals in the second period. No goals in the third period overall. But this is a Flyers team that is really earning their way into the playoffs. Uh, They currently sit third in the Metropolitan Division. They're, well, now they're four points back of Carolina. Uh, They were six heading into tonight's game, and it's one of those situations where they might need to finish third in the division to make it to the playoffs. Uh, Otherwise, they're going to be fighting Tampa and Detroit for one of the wild card spots, and I don't know, maybe the Devils do climb up, climb their way up. Still a lot of time left in the NHL season, but... Uh, it's a hardworking Flyers team, and I think Troy's right. You've got to give a lot of credit to John Tortorella for what he's able to do with this team right now. And uh, you just got to give a lot of credit to the Flyers gumption this season as well. Uh, we've got plenty to get to. Again, 312 981 7200. A reporter, Jack Heinrich, is grabbing sound right now in the Blackhawks dressing room. We'll also hear from the head coach, Luke Richardson. But I uh, want to hear from you as well. 312 981 7200. Uh, you're listening to the Blackhawks Post Game Show on 720 WGN. A lone goal for the Blackhawks tonight. Colin Blackwell scoring it in this 3-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks Post Game Show. We're taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight here on 720 WGN Radio. Uh, We'll also give Colin Blackwell our player with the most heart tonight, which is sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Northwestern Medicine is home to the state's leading heart and vascular program, top-ranked for 16 straight years by U.S. News and World Report. Uh, Blackwell, again, with the only goal, three shots on goal tonight, and constantly brings that hardworking effort that's done him so well this year. Uh if you'd like to call or if you'd like to text quickly to the text line from the 224 area code. Why haven't the Hawks recalled Wyatt Kaiser? Um, And I'm curious about this question because I'm wondering if it's more so about how Wyatt Kaiser has done in Rockford tonight or the struggles that the Hawks have defensively. Uh, I know that the Hawks do still have a lot of faith in who Wyatt Kaiser is going to be defensively. I mean, they put a lot of trust in him when they placed him on the opening night roster, or at least making the team by opening night, and got a lot of good experience here at the NHL, not just this year, but last year as well. I feel like that's a player that they're probably relying on his growth, his development, um, more naturally. They're not trying to, to rush things or, or move things along too quickly because um, I, I feel like he's a college player. So, um, Look, the Hawks do have a handful of defensemen right now that they're putting a lot of faith in, like Isaac Phillips, Louis Crevier, and Alex Flassick. So I feel like they're not going to just... Pick those guys randomly. Uh, Kaiser is a smaller guy. His defensive game is a little bit different. Phillips, Vlasic, and Crevier, all bigger guys. And with how much youth this Hawks team is already relying on, uh, maybe this is an opportunity to just give Wyatt Kaiser some experience down in Rockford where they don't feel the need to rush him up to the NHL level. Um, Quickly taking a look at his numbers. I mean, seven points with the Ice Hogs this year. 22 games played. Uh, he's picked up one, rather two goals and five points. He's a minus six so far this year. Um, so I don't think that calling up Wyatt Kaiser will change the dynamic of this team's defense. I think they've got a lot of things to worry about and a lot of things that they're trying to figure out. But also, at the end of the day, this Hawks team is still relying on a lot of young players to make up the majority of play for this team and to compete against some top-tier talent. So I'm okay with leaving Wyatt Kaiser down there for as long as the Hawks uh, feel the need to. I mean, keep in mind, Kevin Korczynski is probably not here at the NHL level if the Hawks can bring him into the AHL. I, I don't think he's totally standing out as... as Being not ready for it. I think he's doing a good job of holding his own and shows that he's going to be. I mean, he already is a consistent NHL player, but I think in a couple of years or so, that'll totally be left without any doubt that he deserves to be here at the NHL level. But, again, the Hawks are relying on so many young guys. I think it's a little difficult to just pull out one circumstance of one different player that they can maybe uh, call up. 312-981-7200, if you'd like to join us, you can call or you could text uh, from the 618 area code. Hi, guys, is NBC Sports Chicago going to telephise the Chelio ceremony? Uh, Yes, they are, and if you haven't heard, we're trying to promote the heck out of it to... Uh, remind you guys that if you're coming into the United Center for the Chelios game, the Hawks are encouraging you to be in your seats at 3 o'clock because the Chelios ceremony starts at 3.10. Now, before that, we're having a little party over at the Barn Hockey Bar over on Ogden. Me and Kevin Powell are going to be there from 2 to 4.30. Uh, It's going to be heavily focused on Chris Chelios, uh, and then we are going to go in and out of the the ceremony here at the United Center, as time permits it. We're going to have a ton of coverage from that. Uh, trying to get a couple of guests locked down, some former teammates of Chris Chelios. Obviously, we'll have John and Troy chime in on the whole event as well. And again, the Hawks do such a good job with these types of ceremonies. Definitely looking forward to that day. There's a ton of excitement around here. I mean, every time you talk to somebody, they're like, yep, yeah, just just looking forward to Sunday. Just, just really excited for Sunday. Uh, and then the fact that Patrick Kane returns... Um, is just kind of the cherry on top. Obviously, it's going to be very weird to see him in a Detroit Red Wings sweater, but um, definitely something you don't want to miss as a Hawks fan or just a hockey fan in general. As we're recapping this 3-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers here on the Blackhawks postgame show up until 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, Hawks came into this game taking on one of the best penalty kills in the NHL. Philly came in tonight with the second-best PK in the league. And they were perfect 2-for-2 two two tonight against the Hawks' power play. The first power play I definitely I was not impressed with much at all. The second power play looked like the Hawks had a few better chances, just a little bit more synergy going with their passing. Um, but still tough to to really pinpoint where the Hawks' struggles on the power play comes against a very good team like the Philadelphia Flyers in their special teams in tonight's game. Uh, Would still just like to see more shots being fired than looking for the perfect pass, Um, but keep in mind the Hawks were able to pick up a couple of power play goals in the third period against Carolina in their last game, Uh, so hopefully that along with a little bit of a better look in the second power play opportunity tonight can uh, lead to some better chances for the Hawks, but uh, still tough to really get much going tonight as... um, I, I thought the Hawks' start was definitely better than what they've been dealing with in terms of some very lackadaisical first periods. Tonight, it wasn't perfect by any means. They were being outshot 15-7, to 7, but um, still doing a good job of just generating some more chances, not looking for the perfect pass, not looking to do uh, the right thing, and, and just making things happen, like, again, Colin Blackwell scoring the lone goal just on a, a self-generated Attempt and self generated effort, and that's the kind of game that Colin Blackwell brings. So it's uh, it, it was great to see him get rewarded for that. Unfortunately, no other offense coming after that. However, the Hawks did have a couple of chances in that first period. I mean, Taylor Radish being robbed by Sam Harrison, um before Philly's first goal even, and then after the Blackwell goal, Tyler Johnson fired one off the post, so there was a a close chance for the Hawks to even take the lead in that instance. But um, again, once Philly took the advantage in the second period, it was tough for them to fight back. Uh, we got a special guest, Chris Fosters, on the TV side, had the night off as it was the national broadcast popping by here on the post-game show. And Chris, always fun to get your different vantage point when you watch from a different vantage point. What was uh, your main takeaway tonight?
2: Well, I, I certainly, you know, you walked in right as you were talking about the Colin Blackwell goal and, and his skill at times really impresses and, and surprises me. I thought that was a, a great response, a great answer to Philadelphia's first goal of the game. And, I, you know, I like the chances that Conor Bedard continues to create the almost ad-libbing that he does, the creative thinking on yeah. his feet. Some of his uh, obviously didn't End up in the box court tonight, but some of his stick handling ability and and the way that he tries to fool and deceive defenders is really really fun to watch. And you know, Arvid Soderblom again only gave up three tonight to a pretty good team, and and they were in this game just uh, couldn't get that second and of course third goal past uh, Sam Ersan, who's having a great season as are the Flyers.
1: It's I was talking about this earlier. It's really fun to start to see this chemistry that. Kurishev and Connor Bedard are starting to generate.
2: Definitely, you know, in, in the beginning of the season, Kurishev was injured, and then, of course, Bedard was injured for January and, and a portion of February. And then, in between all that, there have been different line combinations and things like that. But even before Connor Bedard was in the picture, the Blackhawks really wanted to see Philip Kurishev take that next step and prove that he could handle the workload of a top six forward. And it it's been really fun to see that in a vacuum and now you pair him with Connor Bedard. And you know, again, I, I thought that first shift, like the 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 message a lot of times from Luke Richardson is for the team to start on time. And I, I actually thought that the first shift tonight they they did a great job they they set the tone they they showed up on time for this game and and they didn't you know fall behind like they did in carolina to the point right. where they're out of it for nothing in the in the second period i thought that they they did a good job hanging around in this game and and uh, they started much better at least than than they did in carolina yeah, I, again, I don't mean to
1: lean too much on the Conor Bedard conversation, but it, it's just it's so great to see Kurishev kind of flourishing this year because of all the concern that was brought up over the past couple of years about his progression. I mean, he he came in and everyone was talking about where his ceilings at, where his ceilings at, and you know, hopefully he gets there, and you know, it really made it skeptical about if he's going to obtain it. But now Troy mentioned. They're they're starting to think alike. They're they're always looking for each other. They're they've got their heads up. Once Bedard has the puck, Kurochev is waiting to find himself in the right spot, and that's what Connor Bedard's so good at—just always finding the right spot to be at. And it's just really nice to see not only Connor Bedard flourish and grow
2: and develop, but bring Philip Kurochev along with him. And that was one of the question marks about Kurochev—not so much his on-ice ability, but the fact that he would sometimes lack confidence. Yeah. And I think you've seen his confidence grow even in the locker room. Yeah. When we are in there after practice or after morning skate, I mean, it's easier to have a conversation with him. He's come out of his shell a lot more. He does more interviews for the broadcast than, than he did at any other moment in his career and credit him because he took control of his destiny and and came into the season in fabulous shape. So you know, here's a guy that that really listened to what the the coaching staff and the management had to say at the end of last season, and he did something about it. And it's fun to see him get rewarded for it. And I
1: feel like it was the first game Bedard came back when he set up chef with the goal. The the smile on his face, the the emotion that he showed was just okay. Yeah, yeah something's different here right now. And um, unfortunately, we're kind of back to that. Uh, looking at what. Connor Bedard can bring offensively. It, uh, he led with 11 shot attempts tonight, only three of them on goal. Um, but you know this team is still trying to figure out ways to score, and it's going to take a, a full team effort. And wasn't quite there tonight. You got to give credit to this Philadelphia Flyers team. They're they're fighting tooth and nail to get to the playoffs, and if they keep this effort up, they're going to land there.
2: Certainly one of the maybe the biggest surprise of the of the season in terms of this is a team that. Was not expected to be in the playoff picture. Now they are, and that the follow up question to that is: okay, who comes out of, of the East? So that'll be fun to monitor down the stretch. But one one last thing about the Hawks, you know, Tyler Johnson, I think, is starting to regain his mid form. Yeah, that's good after point. his injury. He had five shots on goal. I saw led the team, and I, I think on the power play in in Carolina. I thought you saw you started to see him and Connor Bedard and Philip Kurishev click as well, and I, I just wonder if, as everyone continues to tinker with things. I think that would be maybe a cool combination. As this is you know purely conjecture on my part, I have nothing to back this up, but I think I think it'd be cool to see Tyler Johnson uh, work with with Bedard and, and Kurishev. Yeah,
1: I mean. I agree with you. He's taken a step up. Um, it was almost the first goal of the game, Tyler Johnson feeding Taylor Radish, and then he gets robbed. But, no, it's a good point because the time that Tyler Johnson has missed too, not just this year, but uh, – it,
2: All three years with the Hawks. <laughs> right, Radish. right. It's It's,
1: it's got to be tough for him to, to really get things going. Um, Lucas Reichel picked up an assist tonight. That's good to see. We'll be keeping a close eye on him um, because – it basically got to the point where the hawks were out of options and this was the last one left to bring him down to rockford and i i don't know if it's fair to compare him to kuryshev because you know you look at the ages and they kind of fall in line reichel's first year fully in the nhl at 21 years old that was kuryshev's and now look at how long it took for kuryshev to really start to find his game Um, Again, it could be an apples and oranges conversation, but I think patience is still important for Lucas Reichel's progression because... All that was left for them to do is send him down to Rockford and hopefully it's responded the right way.
2: I, I really like that comparison, you know, with with the slow burning fuse that Philip Kuroshev has gotten. Maybe that'll apply to to Lucas Reichel. Again, the, the skill is there, just the confidence is what's lacking right now. And you're not gonna get that back by watching a game in the press box. Maybe two in a row, and then you're back in the lineup, and then you're putting all this pressure on yourself, and you're forcing the issue, and it's like, okay, now I got to perform. I I think just put him in Rockford, let him get his confidence back, let him get in a groove. You know, great that he picked up the point tonight, and I think that's the best way to dig him out of this funk. It's not by. Keeping him in and out of the lineup and just letting him languish here. Uh, so I, I think this is the this is the right thing, and I, I think it's going to certainly benefit Lucas Reichel down the road. Well, we got Chris Foster's here on the
1: post game show. We got to get to another break though. 312-981-7200 If you'd like to call. Or if you'd like to text, our reporter Jack Heinrich is back too, so we'll have sound for you from the dressing room and Luke Richardson shortly as well. Hawks fall to the Flyers, 3-1 tonight. Blackhawks postgame show, 720 WGN. One we were talking about a little bit earlier as he robbed Taylor Radish of what would have given the Hawks a one nothing lead, they end up losing this one, 3-1 to of the Philadelphia Flyers tonight at the United Center. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks Post Game Show. We're taking you up to 10 o'clock tonight. we got Chris Foster's here as well, uh, but first I want to get to some sound. Colin Blackwell scored the only goal and often has a lot to say, so let's hear from the Blackhawks, number
3: 43. I mean, it's disappointing. I think, uh, you know, we had some opportunities. I think ultimately it came down to, you know, they kind of outworked us in some of the different aspects of the game, and um, I thought our, that 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 was up for grabs for a little bit. Um, You know, I'm... uh, It just... I mean, it's been a little while now. Um, We haven't been able to get, you know, a couple games here in a row, uh, streaking some wins together. So, I mean, for me, I I hope the other guys feel the same way too, but it's it's frustrating. It's um, just doing the little things in order to, um, you know, get the movement in the right direction. Um, I think you can only say so many times that, uh, you know, you're close. You know what I mean? It's been close for... um, you know, a, a little, a long time now. Um, so I think um, it, it's it's definitely frustrating knowing that a game like that, um, I, I thought we had opportunities to take over the game and, um, you know, we didn't. So um, it's definitely frustrating. But um, at the same time, you know, there's, con- we did do a lot of good things, I thought. Um, I thought our offensively, even though we didn't get maybe, you know, 30 plus shots, I liked how, you know, the guys in some of the lines and some of the D were jumping in that the O zone. You know, you got, you got to at the same time tip your caps to, to them. They made some great blocks uh, on some, you know, big plays that, um, you know, could have been high danger scoring opportunities. Um, so I like some of the things that we did, but it's got to be like 60 minutes. Um, and I think um, we got to, you know, keep stressing that, that, you know, that's the – the recipe for success in this league and the recipe for success for us on the positive side style points where would you rank that curl and drag goal that you had in, in your career with uh yeah i mean i joey made a great play Dicky was uh everybody was doing just great stuff defensively that allowed me to get a, a break um and then you know jumping up into the play and um Andy made a great uh you know indirect pass that gave me some time and space um so you know i'm been lucky playing with those guys been a factor of just you know people putting me in the right uh, right place right direction and um you know so kudos to those guys it's uh it's definitely that was a it was a nice one but you know they did all the the hard work in the d zone and you know a lot of people don't necessarily see that but that's why those guys have been so successful the whole entire year and they've been the you know what we call the identity line um for you know since i've been coming back the majority of the year they, they do all the right things and uh when you do the right things in the defensive zone you know guys like me get rewarded so Colin Blackwell, after this 3-1 loss to the Philadelphia
1: Flyers, he scored the only goal for the Hawks. We've got Chris Foster's TV broadcaster for the Hawks, here as well. Um, close, but we've been close for a long time now, is something that Colin Blackwell said. And unfortunately, this has kind of been the story for the past couple of years now, and that just provides more of a challenge for Luke Richardson and his coaching staff to get this team ready to play each and every game when they're up against some very more difficult opponents and uh it takes a lot to get a group going but for the most part that's been done
2: it's been a brutal schedule in february yeah. they're just playing playoff contending team after playoff contending team i know that the team in the locker room colin blackwell certainly isn't doing this but we can if if you look ahead to march there are some more winnable games on the schedule they've got and I, you know <laughs> i'm gonna name names here but they've got columbus and they've got Arizona Two Anaheim, Two Anaheim, San Jose, Washington. You know, Washington's fallen out of the playoff Ottawa, picture. Who Ottawa. they've beaten? So, I, I, I just, my hope is that, you know, they're they're laying the groundwork. They're they're creating the right habits now. They're not able to get through against better teams, but hopefully, we'll start to see this work ethic rewarded more. When when the calendar turns to March, we kind of saw that last year too. Yeah, and they, they were even rewarded with some better wins against Boston and Pittsburgh and.
1: Um, but you're right, yeah. Two ducks, uh, two Anaheim opponent, two Anaheim <laughs> games, two Arizona games, Ottawa. Yeah, you're right, Chris. There's there's a lot of winnable games in March. Hey, thanks for popping by, pal.
2: Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You know, I, I get all this uh, rust buildup by not being on the on the TV <laughs> call, so thanks for helping a guy out. Well, we're happy to help
1: you <laughs> shake off some rust. That's Chris Foster's. We'll take one more break and wrap up this Blackhawks postgame show after a 3-1 loss to Philly. Blackhawks postgame show, 720 WGN. It's the Hawks hosting Winnipeg Friday night at 7.30. Puck drop, which means a 7 o'clock FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show here on 720 WGN. The Jets... Third place in the Central, 34-15-5. I'm Joe Brand. We're wrapping up the postgame show. But uh, we're going to go to the phone lines one last time. We're going to bring in Rich from Schaumburg that wants to talk about Seth Jones. Go ahead, Rich. How you doing, fellas? Doing good. you got a, you got about 60 good. seconds, so go ahead.
0: I can't wait till Connor Murphy comes back because this defense is deplorable. And Seth Jones doesn't block enough, he doesn't hit enough, and he's not taking enough shots. I think he had two shots tonight. Um, I'm just not seeing him hit anyone or block enough shots. And Connor Murphy also deserves the C on that jersey. That's just my opinion. Wow. Okay, Rich.
1: All right, thank you, Rich. Uh, Rich from Schaumburg chiming in. A lot of thoughts there. Seth Jones actually... 11 shot attempts, three shots on goal tonight. He blocked two shots. He had one hit. Um, just to to take anything also on the side of Rich's argument, I do feel like Seth Jones has become a little bit more shooter-friendly. He's got more of a shoot-first mentality lately. Um, I don't know if he's just finding more confidence in shooting the puck that maybe is taking away from his defensive game in Rich's eyes. Um but he almost played 30 minutes on the ice tonight. Um, he was a minus one. You lose by two goals, though. Um, your top defenseman who's playing most of the minutes. Uh, and in no way am I taking away from Connor Murphy's game. Those are two totally different defensemen. But to Rich's argument, everything he wants to see more of in Seth Jones is kind of the game that Connor Murphy brings. Uh, I bet the Hawks miss Connor Murphy a ton, and I, I'm sure, I know they do. Um, but once again, I don't know if one defenseman is going to shore up things with this team that is still relying a lot on a lot of young talent and a lot of young players and a lot of rookies. Blackhawks Hockey has been sponsored by SitGo. When you start with SitGo, you're good to go. United Airlines, your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers, Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time, and Northwestern Medicine. Big thanks to all the help back at the WGN Radio Studios, our production crew of Brendan Rook, Colin McCarthy, and Michael Dinardis, along with the engineer, Dan Long, here on tonight's game. John Weideman and Troy Murray had the call. Our reporter was Jack Heinrich. Our Hall of Fame engineer was Mr. Paul Zerang. For everyone that I mentioned, I'm Joe Brand signing off. Again, the final score, 3-1 Philadelphia. We will talk to you Friday night when the Hawks host the Winnipeg Jets. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everyone. We'll talk to you in a couple
2: of nights. You've been listening to Chicago
0: Blackhawks Hockey on Blackhawks Radio, 720 WGN, streaming on WGNRadio.com and smart devices everywhere.